Welcome back to Cooper Deeper, Twin Peaks podcast for regular people. This is Jessica. I'm Mikey. And we are back. We are on season two, episode 18. I would More say importantly, we're, Twin yeah. Peaks is back. Yeah. <laughs> Twin Peaks being a good quality show that we enjoy. Yeah, this episode is, is great. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It was written by Harley Payton and Robert Engels, who are two of our all-stars. Directed by Dwayne Dunham. I don't... Has... He, he directed the first episode. He was the editor on the pilot. Oh, okay. directed the first episode. So he's a, he's a trustworthy name. He sure. edited, um, Fire Walk With Me as well. Like, he's a, he's a guy who very much understands the Lynch and Frost sensibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so uh, episode 25 overall, it's called On the Wings of Love. Oh, Jesus, I did not know that. So that's not strong, but we have a couple big, uh, we have a few things getting kicked off in this episode. We've got a few returns. You get some great mystery again, mm-hmm. though. Like, there's intrigue, like, all of this, like, petroglyph stuff is fantastic. Yeah, I really like it. Um, okay, so it originally aired April 4th, 91. And to kick off, we have, as usual, the Log Lady intro as follows. The beautiful thing about treasure is that it exists. It exists to be found. How beautiful is it to find treasure? Where is the treasure? That one found leaves one eternally happy. I think we all know it exists. Some say it's inside us, inside us one and all. That would be strange. It would be so near then why is it so hard to find and so difficult to attain? So It's on the wings of love, man. On the wings of love. Um, cool. Okay, so that gives us nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Any insights on that? That's your job. No. Okay, I cool. mean, that's, I guess... I mean, they're hunting for treasure, I guess. They just don't necessarily know what it is. Yeah, they're looking, you know, but there's a lot of, like, love is in the air in this mm-hmm. episode with all of the Double or Diner stuff. And yeah. There's a lot of internal stuff of, like, yeah, good. There's a lot of goodness in this episode. Yeah, it's a really sweet, it's a sweet episode, yeah. I think. Um, okay, so we start with Miss Jones, who I did confirm today is not a blonde. <laughs> Um, not even Correct. like she has the same color hair as me, so you'd think I would recognize a kindred spirit, brunette. But oh, is that all it takes to be a kindred spirit? Be brunette. <laughs> God, I almost made a joke about Hitler. What's wrong? I almost said that's why Hitler and I have so much in common because we're both brunettes. What is my problem? I'm gonna cut this out, but I think my brain has broken over the weekend. By the way, it's Sunday night. Biden won yesterday, so we drank for about 12 hours yesterday. Yeah, and then we're and, like celebrated for 12 hours like yes i we should Good be clear that it wasn't like it, this wasn't like harry truman walling ourselves off in the book house drinking ourselves in grief yeah this was this was a positive thing yeah. for us watched a lot of movies yeah it was great um so anyway it's not that i'm hungover it's just that my brain is yeah. an alcohol shaped goo uh, uh, yeah um, emotion and everything has been yeah it's been a, it's been a weird year man yeah it's been a weird several years but yeah. All right, so I got two words into the intro. Going back, Miss Jones caresses and kisses Harry, then puts a substance on his lips, then her own, and kisses him. Now she kept this in like a holster on her garter. It looks like a little perfume I mean, it was just guy. In her garter, I oh, think. I thought she had a little but... holster. 
Um, uh, or like in the not the yeah like in this like the seam of the stocking like mm. not the garter but the yeah. oh gotcha but I, like it also feels like some somebody wrote whoever I don't remember who wrote last week but like pulled Jones back into this yeah is this like the one we've been missing oh my god the big cliffhanger at the end of the episode was she's like climbing into bed with Truman and then and then they were just like we'll we'll address that at the very top of the episode uh-huh. and then. Move Nothing. the fuck on because yeah. none of it matters. Like, and it is even like, it's dumb and pointless. Mm-hmm. Correct. But it's still like, like the the rack focus shot of like her to the the wire mm-hmm. is really really oh, well yeah, done. Like, that. like that's it's it's hard to to push focus like that on something so slim, and to have it be that big a difference between her the focus on her and the focus on the wire. Like sure. It was really cool. Yeah. It was really effective. And then they get into the fight, which I'm curious about your thoughts on this because Twin Peaks has no problems. Straight up men, straight up punching women in the face. Yeah. They've done this a couple of times. Uh They've always been the attacker. Yeah. It's okay. But like, it's just that they, they, it almost feels conscious at this point. Do you know what I mean? Like, like that we're, they're trying to saying, say like women are as strong as men, yeah, and so they need it, to be it, clocked it, in the face I'm, sometimes. I'm curious about that idea yeah. of like they, but they don't like like you can tell when a, when a show like tap dances around, mm-hmm. they don't want to hit yeah a woman or whatever. So they, or like movies will bring in they, a whole female they villain. They trip them or like the woman will throw a punch and then they like throw the arm behind the back so they never have to do any yeah. like. But he's. Straight up punches her in the face. Punches her right uh, in the face. Cooper straight up punched a woman in the face. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't know, it's interesting. I don't know what my thoughts are on it. I don't know if I'm for it or against it. But from a, a woman's perspective, I was curious on your take. Um, so I'm kind of of two minds on this. It's hard for me to talk about this without being super hypocritical. Because, like, yeah, I'm not crazy about, like, shows portraying and glorifying violence against women. Um, However, they, I think, have made those characters earn it, right? Like, she tried to kill him. Mm -hmm. So that's fine. I guess for me, it just kind of brings to mind when, like, women are like, we want to be equal to men. And then there's always some dudes like, so I can hit women in the face. And it's like... We shouldn't hit men in the face That's either. the thing. <laughs> like, That's the thing is, like, I don't think that because I don't think anybody should be punched in the face. Like, obviously, whatever, when things come to blows. And like you said, she was the aggressor. But I think fights between men and women can be fine. Like, physical mm-hmm. fights in, in media, mm-hmm. to be clear, aren't necessarily bad. I would point you to, um, God, this is a lowbrow poll, but Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. They have a couple, like, good fights between The Rock and mm-hmm. the teeny tiny blonde the, lady. Same thing with uh, John Wick 3. There's some really good mm-hmm. fighting in there. So I don't think as a whole... Uh, here's what I would say. It is less about whether or not a woman gets decked in the face, and it's more about like what is the tone mm-hmm. surrounding it. So this was two people fighting because she was trying to kill him. This wasn't like, say, Wicker Man, when Nicolas Cage just fucking... <laughs> belts women in the face and they fly up against like, the wall for because no for no reason like and there is sort of a glee to like yeah fuck that bitch <laughs> I, I think it's like, like oh 
they're lighter than most of the men, so I can pick them up and throw them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, I, I funny. mean, I think I think it's the same as like any sort of like any sex, any violence, things like that. Like there are ways that this story earns it, mm-hmm. and that and whether and it's not supposed to be okay within the story, right? Sure. Like this isn't you know a guy just like beating up a girl. This is a guy defending himself for his yeah. life. I, I I think. It's just very much like nudity or sex. It can be an important part of the story or an interesting addition to the story, or it can just be like, I'm going to see some tits. <laughs> you know? like yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I think it's all context. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, in Harry's trance, he sees and hears her as Josie until Jones reveals a garrote and begins to strangle him. He's unable to reach his gun, but manages to overpower and subdue her. And then how does that scene end? That's it. Oh. We don't see her get arrested or run away or... Next time we see Cooper is talking to Harry in the hallway of the sheriff's station and explaining that, like, she she got picked up and she got whatever, sexual jealousy. Oh, sexual jealousy. Um, I will say, I don't know if this is a TV show thing or a Lynchian thing or whatever specific to this show. But man, they really like to kick off plots and then hit the climax and be like, I guess it's done now. Like, we have nothing else to say. Like, I just, I feel like things like, they don't often give us, like, a resolution on things like that. It's like, oh, she could, like, oh, she bet, beat him up. And then we have a conversation in the double R's diner. kind of like the tail end of them trying to correct terrible plot lines. But I also, but they did that, I think, with Hank. Of like, oh, he broke his parole. He's going back to prison. Like, uh, done yeah. with that. Like, that's what I feel like happens is... Yeah, but they also, like, they had the, the whole thing where Nadine beat him up, and that was kind of a... Yeah, but still, that was yeah, the climax of it. They don't yeah. resolve it on screen, which I guess I don't actually care because those are not plot lines I'm, like, that's, dying to I think, see. I think because they're B-plots and C-plots and yeah. D-plots, like, don't waste your time with it. So, um, Audrey goes to Jack's room with the breakfast you ordered. He's wearing his, your the favorite sweater. sweater. Can you but, describe but it? It's tucked in. Mm, so obviously. It's like a, it's either black or dark, dark, dark brown mm-hmm. and like white and red, just mm-hmm. big, broad stripes. It's such a it's, choice. It's three, four inches thick, would you say? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's basically tucked, made of a gym mat. Tucked right into his pants, which are way up above the waist. It's just top notch mm-hmm. and and then he's doing something uh, so i said he might be working with a cotton candy machine which was a joke the more i looked at it i think that's what a cotton candy it's machine like, looks it's like it's like a weird bub- like plastic clear plastic bubble with like some steam or something in it like yeah he's what, doing some science like what capital the fuck S is science he doing in there <laughs> it was super weird but yeah and like i you're supposed to, like i think he's supposed to be like sexy in this scene, but just oh, looks like a total a, fucking nerd. You don't find a dense sweater tucked into some high pleated pants. Sexy? I mean, not usually. Yeah, but this is working for you. Is it the wig? It's yeah. It's got to be the hair piece. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they have a flirtatious encounter and plan a flight with dinner before she leaves. Okay, that's the end. Yeah, dumb. Okay, <laughs> Harry returns to the station. So the runner through this episode is that Harry is hungover. Which is good. Which is which fine. Is, which, what I like about it is that Harry is hungover, and then you bring back 
you use that as a cat, like not a catalyst, but like a link to we're also going to bring back the loudest character that ever existed who's just yelling the entire time and poor Harry's trying to be like, I'm trying to be supportive, but like every time he just keeps turning and yelling <laughs> yeah. for no reason and on shit that just you don't need to. And he's just mm-hmm. so like trying to be even like trying to not get upset about it because this isn't your fault this is me i did this but it's just bonsai like yelling about whatever and it's i i love that dynamic um so apparently jones asked for the south african consul consulate yeah consulate in in twin peaks which is pretty funny yeah um, he, Harry, wonders why Thomas Eckert would want him dead, and Cooper answers with sexual jealousy. Why would Eckert want me dead? Sexual jealousy. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, joke? Don't know? Oh, Truth? oh I didn't think he said that no as idea. a joke. No idea. It didn't feel like a joke to no me. No idea. Like, it almost feels like a meta joke. Of like, uh, I don't know, call it sexual jealousy and move on. Like, we don't, none of this matters. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we're, we put this whole scene up front to get it out of the way. Yeah. Um, Cooper then tells Harry, excuse me, a remedy for a hangover. The thought of which this is a great bit. causes Harry to become sick. I'm going to drop that in here. It's good to have you back, Harry. Uh, take me a day or so to get my sea legs. Well, to be honest, it looks like you went down to the ship. Why don't you go home and recuperate? No, all I need is some coffee, maybe a little food. Surefire cure for a hangover, Harry. You take a glass of nearly frozen, unstrained tomato juice, you plop a couple of oysters in there, you drink it down. Breathe deeply. Next, you take a mound, and I mean a mound of sweetbreads. Saute them with some chestnuts and some Canadian bacon. Finally, biscuits. Big biscuits, smothered in gravy. Now, here's where it gets tricky. You're going to need some anchovies. I just really like there's something I find very charming about like hangover remedies and various like yeah. small cult like small town well, cultures because everybody had it's always raw eggs and well clearly and worse, the remedy sure. in this one is to make him yeah yeah to go vomit but and just the the like mischievous grin on his face mm-hmm. the whole time because he knows what he's doing yeah and he's just like I feel like he's making it up as he goes and he just keeps adding things to like okay, and then, well, then here's he the sardines. next part. Like, yeah, like <laughs> trying to like, what's the thing that's gonna push you over the edge? Yeah. Um, but it's good. It's a good cute. Yeah, it's but it's cute. a good cute bit that like they're friends again mm-hmm. and nobody's mad at it. Like mm-hmm. he's it. You know, Truman's moving on because you know his massively in love with girlfriend died. You know, it was almost like almost two days ago. Now, I think so. like thirty six hours. Move so fuck on, buddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Get your life in order. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, yeah, but it's just a good, sweet scene between the two of them. Mm-hmm. You start seeing Cooper come back to the Cooper we love. Exactly. Um, Duck Hayward observes a bonsai tree in Harry's office, and Cooper gives Harry a digestive aid. Elka so Seltzer, the bonsai... Yeah. What's that? Like Alka-Seltzer. Yeah. Um, the bonsai tree was from... Supposedly from Josie. The card says it's from Josie. It's from Josie, but we know it is from... But clearly, Winnemarell is listening in yeah. via a bug planted in the bonsai tree somewhere. Mm-hmm. Which, there's subtler ways to get something in an office than a fucking bonsai tree. Like, But if Josie was in Hong Kong... 
That oh. seems like a reasonable, like, hey, I bought you this thing and I had it sent sure. over from Hong Kong. Sure. And it explains why it took a few days to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a t- it's not a terrible bit. Yeah. To get something, and then you would, and then because it has this emotional attachment to it, by saying it's from Josie, you don't really second guess it. Sure. You know what I mean? It's you you kind of like no one wants to question it because of that. Right. There's sentimental value. Um, Hayward tells the lawman about Wyndham Earl's visit to his home. Uh, and gives them the next move that that yeah. which uh, I think is funny because in the last episode Donna told her dad about it and was like hey no he came over and he's like okay you get on the phone I gotta go take this to the next to Harry and the, <laughs> he and walked the to the station and like that was then and then he clearly says he was over at my house yesterday afternoon and mm-hmm. it was like where, where did you go in the last day? You said you were leaving the house to go bring this yeah, to the sheriff's station. And all station. they had to say was, like, there was an emergency at, you know, he's a doctor. Like, emergencies yeah. happen. It was an easy out. But well, yeah. you didn't have to say anything. It just. Yeah. Like, oh, we got this. Like, we weren't here. We got this thing you dropped off yesterday. Sure. Explain it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whatever. Like, I don't know. It was just a timeline thing that didn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, Gordon Cole then returns from Bend as Earl and Leo listen in through the bonsai plant. Uh, Cole presents files that say Earl was on haloperidol, possibly to fake his mental illness. Um, It also makes a note of Earl's involvement with Project Blue Book in 1967. Uh, When Cooper says the word linkage, Cole is reminded of sausage, and they decide to go to breakfast. I prefer the patties. <laughs> that was the most Chicago version of David. I know. I like, really. <laughs> I, yeah, I, pref- I prefer the patties. I like the sausages. <laughs> I like the bears and Bend, Oregon. <laughs> okay. Um, so he, Cole officially reinstates Cooper into Beautiful the FBI. Scene. Very nice. Tells Dust him he needs his black, black suit. suit. Yeah, it's... Um, gives him a fancy... A new, yeah, a new automatic weapon now. Smith & Wesson 10mm Model 1076. I assume it's 1076, not like 1076. I don't know. <laughs> the gun enthusiasts who listen to this show are furious. I, but just... Cooper's got a genuine... Cooper's got a grin on his face this entire episode. <laughs> He's such a happy guy this, yeah. this episode. Um... They leave for breakfast. Earl has Leo choose three cards from his hand, which reveal, quote, Queens, Donna, Audrey, and Shelley. That he clearly manipulated specific, like, I get that this is like a creepy reveal or whatever, but like, does Windermere also dabble in like close-up magic? Can I? Like, because he says pick three cards, and Leo randomly picks three cards, which... Yes, that's a I magic the trick. Is. There is a card trick. You can do a force where you find way. There's a a way to force somebody to pick specific mm-hmm. cards. Did he do that, or so. are we just he got luck, or are they all queen? Like, yeah. I don't know. It was considering he like copied and like pasted yeah, them literally onto yeah. his. It's um, and then every card he picks after that is also. The, the yeah, I Dale think Cooper I think we're card. supposed to know that it's a magic trick because otherwise that makes no fucking sense. But like. Why? Why do a magic trick to a guy who can barely function? Like, So I would like to float an idea. Okay. I would like to improve the Wyndham Earl storyline with just one small change. Okay. 
instead of Leo, there is a jack-o'-lantern that Wyndham Earl is talking to, and there's no other human, but all of Wyndham Earl's dialogue stays the same. He's just addressing it to a jack-o'-lantern. I mean, that's basically what is happening. Yeah, that's but entire, we wouldn't have to see Leo's face. It's the entire reason Leo is there is just so that... A, sound, a literal sounding yeah, board. Yeah, so, so Leo has a reason to speak his plans aloud. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just... I don't know. It's fine. It... it like you've said before, it's, I'm sure it's it a contractual like, thing that it, yeah yeah you've got Leo in here. He's already a vegetable. This is something we can do with him, where we don't have to do anything with him. Right, like it's actually kind of a smart move to relegate a character to this, mm-hmm. um, or an actor to that, I should say. Leo then correctly chooses the king. Uh, who is weirdly it's Cooper and he says Dale. Does he always call Cooper Dale? Just by his first name? I feel Probably. like almost, I mean they were partners, like But yeah, Cole calls him Cooper. Harry calls yeah, him but he's Cooper. Professional. I don't know. I think It's just an interesting thing that very few people call him Dale. Yeah, maybe and I I don't know, I like it. Yeah. Um and he pulls one more queen from behind Leo's ear and says that the identity of this queen would be the winner of the Miss Twin Peaks contest and that he will kill her with Cooper watching. Bum, bum, bum. Um, Which I get. He's... The, I get that, like, Windham Earl is setting, trying to set up to do to Cooper what, Coop, what he feels Cooper did to him. Mm-hmm. But that, like... That requires Cooper being in love with the right, person. Right, right. And is he going to try to make him fall in love with Shelley, Audrey, or Donna? Or Oh, I assumed that the fourth queen was a... I think his... I thought his supposition was none of the three of those women would win Miss Twin Peaks and number four would be a separate woman. So Probably. but And that is the case, but... It's just a weird, yeah. Whoever wins, like, then why do this whole gathering of the angels? Oh, it's stupid thing. Like, none of like. It's just this weird, convoluted plan that doesn't have a direction for, yet, and they kind of just forgot about the chess stuff. Well, he said that he sent it's over. It's still a move. there, but like, he's doing this chess game, but then also doing this like card game, card, yeah, queen. They needed to pick a thing, thing stick with, with it. the like. The Miss Twin Peaks pageant, like it's yeah, so. Yeah, and that wouldn't have been hard to do either because they just could, pick one and roll with. Because they could have said like, "Oh, the knight is Shelley, the bishop is Donna, whatever," and then the sure. queen stick is stick with the same metaphor yeah. at least. Yeah, um, and the the queen, it's it's all right there. Mm-hmm. Like you don't need it to yeah. be it's cards called, now. It's also called a queen yeah. in chess, yeah. as in cards. Okay, Donna goes to the Great Northern Hotel, having followed her mother there, who meets with Ben Horn. Uh, Randy St. Croix asked Mr. and Mrs. Hankman about their stay. So this is... Yeah. Um, and it was unbelievable. Yeah. So they and, and he looks like an adult he... now, too. His hair is all like... Oh, they actually, she like, made a man out of him? Yeah, Grocery. Yeah, yeah, big time. And God, she's I hope like he's 18. Sucking on a lo- like, he got older, and then she's like sucking on a lollipop. It's... It's... It's weird. <laughs> it's it's creepy. It's, it's not weird. great. And then, like, Donna's there, and he's like, hey, Donna. And she's just, and Donna's just like, okay. Like, it's it's all. Yeah, people have gotten super on board with this. Yeah. She's a teenager thing. Um, it's, it, 
had its moments where there was a few episodes where it got good and it's funny and then like her trying to court Mike was fine and then as soon as it like happened it's yeah. like Ooh. Um. Yeah. I. I just. I'm hoping he's 18. If he's 18, then yeah. I, at I, least we're. Legally. I'm under the assumption that every teenager in this show is 18. Right. Um. Please. Donna. <laughs> Donna asks for Audrey and asks her about the meeting between her mother and Audrey's father. Um. Eileen. And so they sneak into Audrey's little inner wall. Right. Um. What's the word? Like a little peephole. Yeah, it's like a little. It's one of those like old. A lot of old hotels have like, um, what do you call it? Like like busser hallways and stuff. Mm. So that like service yeah. hallways, so that staff can get into these rooms, you know, right. undetected ish. And but the one thing I like about that scene though a lot is that a you've already established that that hole is there. Mm-hmm. So reuse it. That's mm-hmm. great. Um. And they didn't get there, like, just in time to hear the big nugget. You know what I mean? Oh, like, sure. They had a whole conversation going. Mm-hmm. And then they came in at the end of it and was like, okay, it's a little more cryptic now. Mm-hmm. And that seems just so much more realistic that, right. like, you came in at a time when, like, we don't know exactly what they're talking about. We, the audience, do. But right. those characters don't because they didn't walk in at just the right moment when they reiterate so to reiterate yeah. we had an affair about 20 something years 20 years yeah. ago or whatever. like that's not how that goes mm-hmm. and so it was nice to see like that reality kind of play out to me i liked eileen and ben argue over love letters written to presumably from ben to eileen mm-hmm. um decades before eileen wants to let their affair stay dead but ben wants to quote make things right Donna and Audrey spine them through Audrey's peephole to hear Eileen tell Ben to stay away from, quote, her. Yeah. So we know something's up. We don't necessarily know exactly what's going on. We'll find out more. Yeah. I mean, I know you've seen this and you, you, I heard you react as like yeah, a yeah. memory of like, oh, I remember this idea. Yeah. I'm curious, like, how obvious is this right now for people of like what they're setting up? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know because I feel like the first time or two I watched this I was probably only half paying attention yeah. so it's all just like seeped into my brain um, I think it's probably fairly obvious but I still don't want to give anything no. away yeah. um, Cooper, Truman and Cole arrive at the Double R Diner with Gordon telling Harry his own hangover cure which again call, causes mm-hmm. Harry to be sick was this he was trying to do the same thing or was he earnestly probably. trying to tell him Or yeah maybe like it could just be just out of touch sure not getting it or whatever but like this whole scene like is just so i like the scene and especially the the shelly and cole stuff is so much more delightful than it should be Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all Um, of it is just i i find myself watching the scene with just like a smile on my face mm -hmm. um they sit down gordon takes no note of shelly johnson obviously she's the most gorgeous human being who's ever Mm -hmm. walked the earth expresses a profound attraction to her kind of girl that makes you wish you spoke a little french and (laughs) she reminds me of that statue with no arms (laughs) the venus de milo its name was milo (laughs) which also is an odd reference to this the statues in the black lodge Mm, oh yeah i forgot about that the red room, I guess yeah. they do. they never really call it Black Lodge. That's kind of the assumption, but the red room is it's not exactly the Venus de Milo, but no. it's very similar. It's, it's got the no arms. Statue with no arms. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, I think I looked it up, but I don't. I probably on this podcast that I did that. Um, he excuses himself to speak to her and finds that despite his hearing loss, he can hear her perfectly. Which this, I should have been like, creepo meter high, but in terms of like this random guy is yelling at this woman. <laughs> This strange woman. And it works because she's just got this big smile on her face. She thinks it's cute. Like her like little embarrassment of like shh, 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 mm-hmm, like you're mm-hmm. gonna get us caught or like not get us caught, but you know, you're being loud. This pie is a miracle. Oh, <laughs> so good. Um Cooper draws on his napkin, combining the markings found on Major Briggs and the log lady. Sort of. Yeah. This is And is this the first time you've noticed this? No, this oh. has always kind of bothered me. Like I get this new symbol. Uh-huh. And I, I just, it's, it's not a combination of the two tattoos at all. Like it's the middle of it. The, the part that's kind of, um, horizontal Mm -hmm. is, uh, log lady's tattoo. Mm -hmm. That's, that's Margaret's tattoo. Um, which makes sense. Yeah. But then, uh, Major Briggs's tattoo is three triangles Mm -hmm. in a triangle shape Mm -hmm. so even taking each individual element of that and moving it around or whatever could be a combination sure but like what he draws on the napkin is three diamonds right and i don't and they're not in the order they're horizontally aligned right yeah and they they line up in the middle and that it's just bizarre that it's never mentioned as being like well those aren't the same symbols you made up this new symbol Mm mm-hmm and like, it happens to be the owl cave symbol, but sure. like, you could have combined those and made a symbol that is actually a combination of those symbols. Yeah, which, I'm not sure why. I, it's it's. I just have always thought it to be odd. It's very weird. Um, when Harry returns, Dale, I guess we're calling him Dale now. Cooper sees uh, through the window what he believes to be a chickadee <laughs> on a Dodge Dart, but Harry thinks it's a finch. And Annie comes over and confirms that it is, in fact... Nope, chickadee on a Dodge Dart. On Dodge Dart. Um, she pours them some coffee, with Harry noticing Cooper's attraction to Annie, especially when he begins to tell her a joke. Oh, this joke, though. It's so dumb. I love it's it. It's so good, because Cooper's face, when he finally gets to deliver the punchline, is magical. Like, it's yeah. he is the most charismatic person in the world in this uh-huh. scene to uh-huh. me. Uh-huh. Um Annie notices Cooper's drawing. We'll, we'll drop in that joke here. I've got a joke for you. Two penguins were walking across an iceberg. One penguin turned to the second penguin and said, you look like you're wearing a tuxedo. Annie? I heard that. Wait a minute, I'll be right back. I wasn't quite finished. How long have you been in love with her? Harry, who said anything about love? You just tried to tell her a joke. I did. So what did the second penguin say? Well, the first penguin said to the second penguin, you look like you're wearing a tuxedo. And the second penguin said, maybe I am. (laughs) Uh, Annie notices um, Cooper's drawing, noting that it looks like looks like it's from the owl cave so cooper decides to go there uh donna sorts through the mail finds a san francisco postcard from james who plans to go to mexico promises with a weird like it's a it's played with a voice excuse me a voiceover of Mm -hmm. james yeah 
but they put like drop this like weird echo on it to make it sound like he's far away or something. Yeah, I like it doesn't need to have that. It's just this weird effect where he's like, da da da, I missed you, but I'm finally going, going, going to Mexico. Mexico. Like it's just so. It's, it's not a flashback. No, it shouldn't have that dreamy quality. Maybe just her head is echoing. It's just bizarre. Yeah. Uh, she also, this thing I noticed in the double R scene, I just wanted to bring up that I enjoyed that I only started noticing after the HD releases okay. is the like giant scar that Truman still, ha- or like Mark. red marking that he still has across his neck the whole time, which oh. I never noticed until HD releases, which I think is just a great touch that like, sure. yeah, that would still be there. Yeah. You know, six hours later or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I will say also when, like, when Harry tries to do the, so how long have you been in love with her? Which is obviously a callback. Yeah. It's just like, all right, dude, they've met twice. Like, let's not. I, I, what I think is funny to see, okay, I really like that bit because to me, it, it, it's, the joke is that you couldn't pick up on anything when Cooper did it. When Cooper was like, how long have you been in love with Josie? Or uh, when he does it to Hank and he, or um, Big Ed. And he's mm-hmm. like, how long have you been in love with Norma? And seemingly there was no indication of those things mm-hmm. to any of us. So it was like actually like interesting really detective work. Yeah. <laughs> and then Cooper's got like just this giant <laughs> grin on his face. He's telling, he's telling jokes. jokes. It's so out there and blatantly obvious. And Truman's like, <laughs> how long you been in love? Like, Wink. like, like <laughs> polishing his fingernails. Like, I figured this one out. And you're like, yeah, it was blatantly obvious. Yeah, like, and I think that's why that joke works. Is okay. Because it's because the differences of what's perceived mm-hmm. is so fundamentally opposite. Yeah. And, and it's Truman legitimately trying to be proud of himself. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, duh. I'm not doing anything to try to hide it, bro. <laughs> like, like, that's what I think is sweet. Um, so back to the Hayward's house. Um, Donna asks her father why Eileen would be meeting with Ben, but he dismisses it as a meeting regarding charity fundraiser. Um, flowers are then delivered to the house for Eileen. And it's kind of like Doc Hayward's kind of like, well, this is how fundraisers do. They get flowers, I guess. Like, he's very dismissive of everything. Well, the flowers was the cat part at the end of the scene. He was dismissive before that. And then the oh. flowers came in. She's like, yeah, they're for mom. <laughs> I'll put them in water. Like, looking oh, at him gotcha. like, okay, see, fine. this is why you're full of shit right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's it's just so odd that, like, this thing was happening this whole time, but like all of a sudden in, in the last two days, it's really flowers and visits yeah. and all the stuff is popping up now. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's Ben Horn trying to rectify his life. Sure. And so there's a reason why he's starting this thing now. I guess there, there's some explanation for that, but it's also like, we need a new storyline for Donna. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, at the library, Audrey encounters Wyndham Earl, who's disguised as poetry teacher Edward Perkins. In, in one of the only, uh, the, I think there's like three shots in the entire series that they couldn't find the original negative mm, for. Yeah. So all the HD transfers, this one shot, this is the longest one too, of just like this one shot just looks like absolute garbage. Yeah. Um, she, so Audrey asks Wyndham Earl for help with the poem he had written her. 
So the poem, it's the poem that was written in three parts that oh, he gave to the, oh. the, the three of them and they got it. And she was like, oh, you're poetry? Can you tell me what this is? And, and she starts reading the poem or whatever. He asks her to read it. She reads it and he finishes it or whatever for her. So she just, because he identifies himself as a poet or a poetry teacher or whatever. Right. Hey, maybe you can help me. Does this mean anything to you? Right. And then he just kind of re- finishes the poem and then gives no information on it, except for that it's by Shelley, by, which we looked up was a poet named Percy Shelley. Yeah, he's a, like a Romantic era yeah. um, poet, which isn't my, as and a lit I, major, but that's I not my area. Of could be a, a connection because like, oh, I picked a poem by, by Shelley, Shelley because I have Leo... Who's connected to Shelley? That's not great. I it's but but why? Why did he send this poem to these three women? No, um, he comments that she looks like a queen, and then he leaves. Oh no, she, she leaves. Uh, back at the diner, um, Annie examines a flyer from Miss Twin Peaks and explains to Shelley the difference between convent life and life at home back home at Twin Peaks, particularly the presence of men, specifically wow. Dale Cooper. I will say. <sighs> I don't know much about convent life, not to shock you. But the way she talks about the world, she's like, and there's people, and they're talking and laughing. I'm like, do they not talk in your... Yeah, she was in a cult. <laughs> like, oh, like, you think she's in like... I, a... I mean, I that's the way they're treating a convent. Yeah, like you can't have access to the outside world. Like, and I get like, oh, I forgot money and things like that. That makes yeah, sense. She's... But like people are talking and laughing like, I think, it's a I think nuns convent. are allowed to laugh. Like she's not, she's not trying to be a monk. Right. Like she's like living on top of a mountain. Yeah, it's it's biz- yeah, it's a little bizarre. Yeah, it's odd. Uh, it, it just feels a little tryhardy. Again, it's another like tell don't show thing of like, and it's a way to make her more innocent seeming sure. and all this stuff. But like, without making her troubled young. innocence in the same way that like Laura had of these dual like she because sure. she tried to kill herself. She's mm-hmm. not, but and then that's why she went into a so she's conflicted. And they're trying to set that up, but a convent just seems like, like the idea of a convent might be fine, mm-hmm. but their idea of what a convent is yeah. is just weird. Yeah. Uh, but I, I get that you know they're they're building this conflict within right. her. She's, you know, not she's got a troubled past, but she's not which, a girl, not yet is, a woman. You know, which is part of Cooper. Like Cooper is very much attracted to trying to save women he's very much got a complex about i need to be a savior i need to save women and if i can see i now see that you've got this troubled past i'm mm -hmm. gonna save you Mm -hmm. and it's you know potentially his downfall or whatever but well and i think it's sort of a night you know i really wanted cooper to get with audrey or whatever and Mm -hmm. this is a nice way to get cooper in a relationship with an age-appropriate person who still has an air of innocence that is explainable yeah so. And, like, because of the character of Cooper, Audrey's got a great head on her shoulder. She didn't need to be saved from anything. She'll right. fucking take care of it. I'm Audrey Horn, and I get what I want. Right. You know, I... Cooper needs someone to save. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, at the sheriff's... At the sheriff's station, Andy descends from the <laughs> ceiling in front of Lucy's desk, which... I get this as a good visual gag, but the preparation that would have had to go into place to it, get this psych no gag to worse is to like work have is a absurd. ladder just outside the window. We'd have to like, like anchor a few points yeah. in the ceiling. 
to 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 test this like repelling method that yeah. you don't have to do any of. Right, exactly. You're on your feet the entire time, but it's it's still a good Andy Lucy bitch, sure. and I, I and we haven't yeah. gotten a lot of those. Yeah, exactly. It's it's them going back to who they are, and basically even saying out loud, "Forget about fuck Dick, we mm-hmm. fuck that guy." Like, let's get back to me and you being sweet for each other. Yeah, sweet for each other. Um. And he says spelunking, which I love. And, and then Lucy repeats that back. Spelunking, it's definitely yeah. a, um, a, I've never heard this word right. said out loud. It's very cute. Um, tells her that he'll be going spelunking. He promised her that he'll be careful. Pete calls in the next chess move against Earl, and the men prepare to go to the Owl Cave. Uh, we cut over to uh, Johnny Horn, who is... Um, making hmm. some culturally inappropriate mm-hmm. screams and outfits mm-hmm. is what I will say about that. There's a lot of colorful buffalo. Yeah, I think there was a couple of buffalo. It was buffalo and I think something else too, but mm-hmm. I don't remember. But um, yeah, it, yeah. And so throughout this scene, we once in a while hear Johnny Horn do whatever an approximation of like a war, war cry. cry. Yeah. Um, so that Which, punctuates like, I get the what scene. they were going for, sure. and at the time, whatever, right. like they were just going for this like quirky thing to break up what is is just a talking head scene between mm-hmm. Jack and Ben Horn, and this like well two back to back scenes. It's it's Audrey and Ben Horn, and then Jack and Ben Horn, and it's just a lot of talking head. Mm-hmm. So this is a great bit to like have this kind of thing that's breaking up for like. Something silly that sure. happens in the background. And it makes sense for the scene. In the time period. It's just. Yeah. Didn't age know. well. Nowadays, it's. Yeah, it's. And great. It was probably. It was bad then, too, but we culturally accepted it. Right. Uh, ben then speaks to Audrey about his change in values, discovering the importance of his family, and admitting that he was a poor father before and wants to change it. And I love that he's still doing the. He's not smoking cigars now. It was celery really before, and now he's got carrots. carrots. But just like anything big, and yeah. you know that I can keep him. And he does that at one point too. He like pull like, oh, you're in love with my daughter, and he like pulls one out like it's a celebratory cigar, uh-huh. yeah, and, and gives Jack just like a carrot. Yeah, Here you good. go. Here's an uncooked carrot, <laughs> and it's great. I love that bit. Um, he makes Audrey his official business partner, which was a sweet scene. Yeah. I like yeah. this. Um, it, it makes you realize that, like, yeah, maybe Ben is legitimately trying to yeah. get his life back in order. Because it doesn't seem to be ulteriorly yeah. motivated. Right? right? Like, it feels very earnest. Mm-hmm. Um, although, have we heard from Mrs. Horn in a season and a half? No. <laughs> okay. So, no. he's not trying so that hard. Yeah. He's trying hard with the characters he still has around. <laughs> Um, so he, he's because he's still trying to like win back Eileen Hayward. Yeah, so that's not and good. Sylvia. Like, I, I guess I don't know if him and Sylvia are still married. I don't see why they wouldn't. I mean, I feel like that's a thing we would have learned. No, about. I mean like throughout this whole show. Oh, oh, really? Like they had they shared dinner that one scene in like episode three or something, oh. but. But potentially they're not even married or they're separated or they're whatever. Interesting. I've never really considered that. I guess I'd have to 
thing. But she's only in, yeah, like three, four, five episodes in the entire series. So So he makes Audrey's business partner and has her go on a business assignment to Seattle, which the flight leaves in an hour. She has to go right away, which... LOL, pre, pre-9-11 times, I, your flight leaves in an hour, be there. <laughs> I, that's a thing I have mentioned, but I it drives me nuts in movies, TV shows. It's always like, flight leaves in an hour, you got to go now. Yeah. And it's like... What if I don't have my license on Well, me? but like, even, even if you... Whatever. Like, I don't care if... Like, your entire day is leading up to going to the airport. Right, like, right. There's no... Even if you didn't bring luggage or any of that stuff, like, wherever you are, you're not that close to an airport. Mm-hmm. Like, even if you live right by an airport, mm-hmm. that's still, like, you gotta get through security. Like, all these things are, like, it's yeah. impossible to... it. I mean, ostensibly, the nearest major airport is probably Seattle. Well, from she's what going they- to Seattle. Oh. So I guess there's a private plane out here. Oh, don't they show, like, a private... But that's Jack's Later. private plane. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's the future. So I don't know. Maybe there's a small commuter airport in Twin Peaks, Montana I guess, that we haven't I mean, heard about. I guess about. the Horns might have a plane. Sure. But it's all still like, it's... I would, I mean, this is super nitpicky, but like, if it was their private plane, he would say like, your plane, or like, the plane leaves in an hour, not your flight. Your flight yeah. feels commercial to me. And it like it's on a schedule. If it's your right. own private plane, it leaves whenever you tell them to leave. Right. Yeah. It's but she's flying to Seattle. So where the fuck are they flying from? Right. I don't know. Nobody knows. Um so the that Sacre Bleu. <laughs> so that um means her plans with Jack are cancelled. Um Jack enters right then. Audrey leaves. Ben asks Jack. In a Jack, sweet, sweet, sweet turtleneck. Who the... Something was up with his wardrobe choices. I, I, Do you think it's just shit from his closet? I well, that's so. what I honestly wonder. Like, is costume designer trying to make this guy, like, ultra hip? And, like, he wears, like, these Definitely really... Like and, be, like, that's what they thought was hip in 1991. 1991. Yeah, he you does look I mean? like and he so, could like, be on a poster for United Colors of Benetton. Yeah, you know, like, like super fashion forward things are the things that don't age well. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like, but uh, you know, Ben's got a three piece suit on, which no one really wears. Double breasted, double breasted, yeah. yeah, not yeah, not a three piece, but like double breast with the wide lapel. Like that's not super fashion, but it doesn't look absurd, terrible. Yeah. You know, like what Audrey wears for a lot of it doesn't look. Whatever, it's a little dated, and mm-hmm. some of the sweaters some people wear, but like everything Jack wears is so dated. Yeah, it's not in great. a way that it it's bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ben asks Jack how to quote be good, which Jack finds to be in truth and honesty. Jack then admits that he's fallen in love with Audrey, which Ben appears to approve of. So he gives him his celebratory carrot. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I love that bit, though. I don't like that he says I'm falling in love with Audrey. I think that's gross and presumptuous and pulling the trigger way too quickly because they've known each other for 14 hours. uh, I mean, that's soap opera. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, that's the, yeah, it's, I'm falling for your daughter would be a more. Did you say that? When did you tell my dad that I think I'm falling in love with your daughter? I don't know if I have. (laughs) (laughs) Legally, you have to tell him. Otherwise, we're not married. Oh, it's right? a really old patriarchal role. I, t- well, I told him I took him to that the Hawks game, Blackhawks, uh, Chicago Blackhawks playoff game, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I didn't ask him until the drive home. 
<laughs> well, you didn't ask, even him, ask you That's s- true. I made a point of saying of not asking for permission, because uh-huh. I but telling him my intentions and like I hope this is okay. Yeah. But I this is what I'm going to do, and I I wanted to inform you before mm-hmm. it happened mm-hmm. instead of asking for permission because fuck that. Yeah. But it was. I honestly also, didn't even want you to do that. <laughs> It was also, but also I, I knew your dad yeah. and like, I, I, he wanted, I'm sure he's the guy who wanted to be oh. asked permission. So I was like, I'll split 12, the difference percent. and I can find a way. Plus like it gave me a reason to buy tickets to a Hawks game. Fuck yeah. Um, I'll go to a Hawks game with you. I know, but it, <laughs> it was, that was, it was a, it was a fun game and it was, it's playoff but game, it was just, it? yeah, it was a playoff game and they won in overtime. Mm-hmm. And so I took that entire because I was like, oh, this like it gave me a reason to get him alone one on one without like this context, which in hindsight and whatever is like, yeah, you still fucking knew that was coming. Yeah. Um, and like, why did you feel like you had to be sneaky about it? Like you right. both knew I could have just asked on. him to lunch or whatever. Yeah. Sure. But I think it was more so about getting him alone and having a reason to not tip off you and uh, your mom and your brother and whomever else yeah because like it was like because i remember telling you like oh i bought these tickets i think i'm gonna take your dad he's been really cool lately with whatever 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 yeah, he would like bring us to shit and bring yeah us out to dinner. i think it would be nice to be and i bet he would really appreciate it and you're like that's a great idea you should mm-hmm. totally do that did you know then too or? no i had no idea okay i'm oblivious sometimes okay uh but that's what i was trying to avoid if i just said like i'm gonna take your dad to lunch you'd be like why yeah i would assume that if you just did lunch, you just wouldn't have told me about it. Yeah, that's true. But um, anyway. But yeah, anyway, that's... So I did that, and I told him on the car ride home. Mm-hmm. And my dad said, Hawks never! Won. Hawks won in overtime. It's a good game. Did they win Stanley Cup that year? 2014? Uh, no, they did not. Yeah. They they went on to lose that series, I believe. I see. That was the one of the games in the Los Angeles Kings series. I think we're going to a far field the of Kings Twin Peaks. Ended still. up winning that year. Okay. The lawmen arrived at Owl Cave where they indeed find the symbol Cooper had drawn, which is a fun coincidence. Um, and then an owl starts like dive bombing them in this yeah. cave. I don't think most owls are cave dwelling creatures, but what do I know? It's the I, Owl Cave. I'll, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I just got it. Um, but they also, like, I, there's something about David Lynch and Twin Peaks specifically flashlights they have yeah. a very particular look and i don't know what they do to create them a they have very like definitive beams like the the light doesn't spread it's mm-hmm. like a lot it's almost led looking yeah and then and then the when it's shining on something it looks like a target the center spot mm-hmm. is black mm-hmm. and it's like a ring light and i don't know it's all the flashlights. Every character who's ever has... Like, it's not like, oh, well, these are the sheriff department flashlights that they use, and they all look like that. Mm-hmm. It's all the characters who've ever used a flashlight. They all look like this. If you see the same thing in, like, other David Lynch movies, Lost mm-hmm. Highway, like, headlights have the same look. I don't know what he does. Yeah. But these, like, definitive, strong, sharp beams against, like, a black backdrop... Mm-hmm. They look so cool. Yeah. I don't know why. Like, it's, I just find it mesmerizing. Mm -hmm. Um, So the owl comes in. Andy obviously swings his pickaxe at it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like you do when a bird is attacking you. 
Um, obviously hits the cave, like the diamond in the middle of one of the symbols, um, and causes part of the wall to fall out, revealing a petroglyph. And so this is the first time we see the owl cave symbol as mm-hmm. we know it. Yeah, which is a, which is it's wild to think about. Like the this iconic owl cave symbol oh, that, that it doesn't everybody come until associates the end of the with Twin, Twin Peaks is like you you don't see that until now. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the and then they just have a field day with like let's script all the coolest lines ever. Bam, 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 bam! Right now with mm-hmm. like the. Uh, fate and co- co- or coincidence figure largely in our lives, and then mm. uh, yeah, I and have actually, no idea this where, where this will lead us, but I have a definite feeling it'll be a place both wonderful and strange. It's just speaking lines. of our wedding because that was on our program. Mm-hmm. So that quote was. Um, so that's is that where we ended up? Because I know we wanted think, to use it. I, is it the programs? Is I that where so. we found? Like that at the sense. bottom of one of the programs. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, which we still have in your on your desk, so we can just check. <laughs> Yeah, those are only half of them, though. The ones that oh, are there didn't. are the ones that misprinted and they didn't print on the back. Okay. So, um, but five years ago, so we're still holding on to those yeah. just in case it comes up again. I, they just have been in that little mail slot thing. I haven't done anything with them. Um, okay, Annie goes to the bar at the Great Northern. Which, this is an okay scene. This is a fine scene of building their connection. But? It's placed in such a weird spot like narratively in a weird spot or physically in the in the within the episode like this whole build-up this cool owl cave stuff then they leave and then it's just like this like slow boring weird scene with them and And then windham earl goes back to the cave yeah like i like i wanted this to have like it would have been cool to have that scene before cooper goes on the owl cave mission Uh uh-huh and then do the Owl Cave, and then they leave Owl Cave, and then Winter Merle sneaks in right, right behind right. them or something. Like, you want to keep the momentum going. Yeah, it just, it built, like I was, as soon as that scene, the, the the Sheriff Department Owl Cave scene ended, I was like, all right, getting ready, like pack, like getting ready to get up off the couch. And yeah. then I was like, oh yeah, there's more to yeah. this. Like I just, that felt like such a good ending. End point, yeah. Um, also, she Annie sits down at the bar and tells the bartender she wants a drink, but she doesn't know what. <laughs> the ladies like rum, and she's like, "Great." Here, yeah. What? So, a he ends up giving her rum and tonic Is that with a, a cherry. Drink? We've both bartended. Yeah, I've been bartending. I yeah, I bartended for years, 12, 15 years. Never. I don't think I've ever served a rum and tonic in my entire life. I don't think And so. it's dawning on me now when we had our Twin Peaks party, we wanted to make specialty drinks. Oh, rum and I should have tonic. absolutely had rum and tonics uh, with a cherry as a specialty drink. And it was white rum, which for some reason made it weirder. It wasn't like spiced yeah. rum and well, tonic. And then also, I don't know why. So that's... she orders, she's like, I don't know what I don't know what I want. And he yeah. was like, The ladies like rum. How about a rum drink? No, you... And then when she tells Cooper what she ordered, she's like, Well, the nun used to put rum in her sink, so that's why I got that. And it was like no. You didn't even come up with it. The guy told you. Like, it's pick one. And also, like, if I'm bartending and a woman comes into, or anyone comes in the bar and is like, I want to drink it. I don't know what in a way that they mean. Like, not just I don't know what I feel like, but I don't know what drinks are. Yeah. I'm going to give that person, like, a Malibu pineapple or something sweet and innocuous. Or, not yeah. rum and tonic. I, it Ew. Of, God, I, not even rum and soda. Rum and yeah. tonic. 
Yeah, or I mean, a rum and coke would have been allowable. Rum and coke. It would be mostly fine. tastes like coke. People are familiar a with Cuba coke. Ribre. They can drink that. Mm-hmm. It's. It reminds me of. I remember once, um, uh, Kira, who you know, but we used to do uh, Halloween costumes together. She was one of my Halloween partners. We'd always get these big group costumes, and it was a year we were doing um, Royal Tenenbaums, mm-hmm. um, and she was dressing as um, Gwyneth Paltrow and then I'm forgetting her character name right now um, but needed cigarettes just mm. as like a prop and, so she, and she didn't smoke had never smoked and went in and was like I need a pack of cigarettes and then like just kind of as a bit he, the guy was like what kind she's like I don't know I'm just starting today and like just like as a bit and he goes a lot of people smoke Marlboro Reds <laughs> <laughs> and I just <laughs> I just always thought that was really funny. Cowboy killer. I know. Like, like you, not even Marlboro lights or like Marble some. Ultra like, lights. Yeah. Like it's so like you, this, this person is coming in and wants the first pack of cigarettes they've ever smoked in and their life. And you're like, 30, yeah. by the way, like, uh, yeah, I mean, it was probably late twenties at this point, but yeah. It's not like she's 19 years right. old. It, it <laughs> like, was what a just, weird situation. It was just really fun. A lot of people smoke. But like, it was also just a dude who's like, I don't fucking know, man. Yeah. Like, I'm not making this Don't make here. me make this decision for you. Like, he probably turned around and saw red and was like, perfect. Yeah. Um, I always thought that was funny. So Cooper joins her and she discusses her past failure and her fear that it, being her failure, I guess, would happen again. Cooper offers to help her if she's willing and she accepts. And then last scene, Earl goes to the owl cave where he finds... But yeah, again, you get that moment of Cooper's like, I'm... It's not even about like, I have feelings for you or I'm infatuated with you. It's, I want to help you. Uh I need to save you. And so that's great for her, but it's a a weird dynamic and Mm -hmm. it sets that up. Um, We're back to the owl cave where when Earl goes in, he finds the petroglyph. And then, so I guess we should explain, like, so whatever, the rock broke away, and there was almost, it's like a pole, that yeah, the like end, like the butt of the pole, yeah, a peg, I guess is better, that the peg is, has this symbol on the side, and it's probably a, maybe an inch across, maybe less. No, it was pretty big. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, I thought it was small. Because he didn't quite get his, it's, it's like the both making, baseball bat. Mike and I are both making sizes with our hands, yeah, which is really, it's mine a, is smaller. It's a, a Probably about the, like the middle of a baseball bat. Okay, I thought like, it was not smaller. quite the the barrel. I thought but it was not, like a wide maybe the no- like dowel a, rod, like the knob of a baseball bat. Okay, then I misread that. Like um, the whole or- thing is very big. Like the the triangle, I I noticed that too. Like until it came out and then Cooper put his face against it, oh. and you're like, oh, this triangle is a little bit larger than his face. Gotcha. Like I thought okay. they were like. The whole triangle shape was like six inches. Like yeah, it was a okay. weird because the too. first shot you see of it doesn't look that big, mm-hmm. and it's significantly larger than yeah than that. Um, uh, yeah. So either way, that doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. But he, yeah, sees the inverted symbol also on the ceiling, and realizes that if I start rotating this, mm-hmm. it'll do something. And something does happen. The cave starts to rumble, and then episode ends. And he over so yeah, I'm really glad we're getting back to like good, yeah. good Twin Peaks stuff. And I, I'm curious about because I've never watched this episode without watching the other stuff before it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm because I very I don't I don't know why I'm surprised. I know a lot of people who do. I don't typically just watch episodes. 
I always like go through a watch. Oh, I see what you mean. And so I you won't just be like I feel like watching. Yeah, whatever. yeah. I like this one episode. I'm gonna watch it. Like I will watch everything mm-hmm. every time. And it's an interesting deal because like, is this episode that good, or is it just really good in comparison to the last several, especially the last one, which I loathe. Yeah, I think both. I think it's not nearly as good as like when it was really good in the first season, but. But I think that's also by virtue of it feels like we're trying to scrape together a team based on the characters that we have left over because yeah. we've, again, we've lost so many interesting characters along the way. And by and large, they haven't been terribly successful at reintroducing characters mm-hmm. that are as interesting as the ones we lost. Yeah, and, you, and you're getting back to season one, early season two, Andy and... Yeah, that um, that kind that sort Lucy, of... you're getting the we've now had log lady in the last two episodes. Mm-hmm. Barely, no, barely in these, but but that kind of is Major what makes Briggs. her sweet too. Is like these little like she just kind of pops up briefly to be like mm-hmm. this pie is a miracle. Yeah, that's it. So good. Like that's kind of great. Like yeah, there you're getting good care. Like there's no Billy Zane is really the only dumb character in this episode that I can think of. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Love Annie. Yeah, but Andy's... Annie. Oh, Annie. Oh, right, right, right. Um, Yeah, and I get that, but they they needed to build that. Sure, sure, sure. Um, But you don't have, you know, you don't have an Evelyn. You don't have... Mm -hmm. Josie. Well, kind of Josie. Yeah, but, yeah, I guess, again, because they top-loaded it, Mm -hmm. the whole Jones thing is dumb. Yeah. But they... Let's move past that right away, right. which was important. Well, okay. That uh, wraps it up. So we will talk to you next week. Goodbye. Yay. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people, hosted by Michael Greif and me, Jessica Blumke Greif. Our podcast logo is by Forker Creative. You can follow them at Forker Creative. Our theme music is by Brad Chactus. You can always email us at cooperduperpod at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes and leave us a positive review and tell a friend. We'll see you next week.